Thank you for joining us on the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org. Hey, uh, this is a a great Pentecost weekend, and I'm privileged to have a friend of mine with us, uh, Charles Galbraith, and I, uh, we've known known each other for several years, and uh, Charles, he's married, he's got three kids, you'll hear about them a little bit later, and uh, Charles, uh, he's pastored in Harlem, he's pastored in Queens, and he's currently, he's about almost 10 years, he's been the lead pastor of Clarendon Road Church, it's an alliance church connected to the, the family that we're a part of, the denomination that we're a part of. Of. Uh, he's there in Brooklyn, been there almost 10 years, as I said. And uh, Charles and I serve on the board of directors, which is our denominations board, and um, and we have a lot of fun together. And we've enjoyed getting to know each other. So would you give a, a warm Sam Lyons welcome to Charles as he brings the word today? Well, good afternoon, Salem family. Listen, that, that welcome was great for me, but can we put our hands together and just welcome God's spirit and the presence of Jesus Christ even in our midst today? That's more like it, yeah. Amen. It really is a privilege to be able to share with you uh, today. And I I really am excited about uh, what God has done and what God is doing uh, in our midst. I I believe that this uh, is a time and a season of miracles. Uh, And I believe a miracle is going to take place right here uh, because uh, a black pastor from Brooklyn is going to preach for just 35 minutes. And trust and believe that is a miracle. (laughs) But I am privileged to be here. I have to let you also know uh, I'm a little extra and exuberant in my presentation, uh, but don't get nervous and don't think I'm being disingenuous. Uh, It's just that I love Jesus that much. And if you're expressive back to me, I'll feel like I'm back at home, amen? (laughs) Amen. Let's go to God's word as we prepare to hear what he would speak to us uh, during this time and season uh, of Pentecost. Uh, I want to share a message simply entitled, It Had to Break. It Had to Break. Uh, It had to break. And if you have your Bibles with you uh, today, we're going to be looking in Mark, the 14th chapter. Mark, the 14th chapter. uh, There in that first verse. And uh, just a narrative as Jesus is encountering uh, a a woman uh, who has uh, an alabaster box and she's bringing before Jesus. And so uh, in the midst of this, let's journey through this narrative uh, to hear what God would speak to and through us today. Mark, the 14th chapter, there in the first verse, it says, Now the Passover and the festival of unleavened bread were only two days away, and the chief priests and the teachers of the law were scheming to arrest Jesus secretly and kill him. Uh, But not during the festival, they said, or the people may riot. While he was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. And some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wage and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you and you can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she could. 
She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Truly I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, uh, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Amen? Would you pray with me? Uh, God, we thank you for this time together, and I pray that the words of my mouth and the collective meditations of our hearts will be acceptable in your sight, God, our strength and our redeemer. We thank you for this time together, and we offer this prayer in the powerful and mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen and amen. Uh, Steve shared with you, I have three children. Uh, I have uh, an eight-year-old boy uh, named CJ, uh, a six-year-old daughter named Malia, uh, and a seven-month-year-old little boy named Grayson. Pray for me. Uh, and uh, my kids are great, uh, and I was uh, sharing with uh, my older son, CJ. He has this uh, wonderful way of keeping things together. Uh, he has this beautiful, beautifully painted piggy bank uh, that has a whole bunch of decorations. It looks beautiful. It's very colorful, and uh, th this brother, CJ, he knows how to save his money. Uh, he has money from chores and money from birthday presents and stuff that people have given him. He has so much money that he's stuffed into this piggy bank that you can't even get the money from the bottom of it. Uh, it's so much money jammed in it. I, I have to look to him and say, brother, can I borrow some money from you? Uh, and so uh, one day he, he's letting me know uh, that there's a book fair at school and he wants to buy some books, he wants to buy some ice cream and he asks me for some money and I let him know, CJ, I have no money on me, I have no cash on me, I can't help you. As soon as I turn around, I hear a big crash. And you know what it is. He, he's taking that piggy bank and he's throwing it down on the ground and he's going through it, getting it the money that he needs for uh, his book sale and for that ice cream. And I said, CJ, wh wh why did you break uh, your, your piggy bank? He said, yeah, it, it's nice, Dad. It looks, looks real good. He says, uh, but what's on the inside of it is more valuable than what's on the outside. I, I like to share with us and suggest today that God's calling us to break some things in our lives even today. But it's because there's some things of value on the inside that he wants to use and utilize for his kingdom to be made known in, through, and among us. I like to suggest that sometimes there is a need for some things to break down so that God's presence can break through. Uh, it is Ernest Hemingway who says it this way, uh, everyone is broken by life, but some are made strong. It's A.W. Tozer who says, before you can be used greatly by God, sometimes you have to be broken deeply. I'd like to add to that and suggest that sometimes God has to take us through some moments to break us, to make some things better in us. And as we look at this passage, we find this narrative of this woman breaking this alabaster box, this thing that is valuable, breaking it at the feet of Jesus. We find this passage not just in Mark, but in all the gospel accounts, we find that some type or some iteration concerning this is put together. In Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we all find the story of this woman coming before Jesus. But it's in Mark's account that we find the unique dynamic where she is breaking this alabaster box up before his feet. She's taking that thing that is valuable, uh, not only the box, but also what is possessed inside the box, and she's bringing it to the feet of Jesus because while it has value, he has greater value. She brings it before him and lays it before him, breaks it before him. And in our time together, I would like to ask for us to think, to reflect, to ask God, what is the it 
that needs to be broken in our lives? What, what is the area? What is the thing that we've held to ourselves? What is the thing that we've said is valuable to us that God is calling us right here in this time, in this season, in this Pentecost moment to break before the master's feet? What must break? Not only must my break, must my break, but I also would like to suggest when it is broken, several things take place. When we allow the it to be broken, several things take place. And I believe that it's illustrated in the text of scripture. The first thing that takes place when it is broken is number one, is it exposes the agitators. As soon as you start to do things for God and start to make yourself vulnerable for God, please understand and note that those are the moments when sometimes attacks will come in our direction. Here we find in this passage, uh, in, in Mark the 14th chapter, in verse number three, it says, while he, Jesus, was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar, a very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Here it is, verse four. But soon some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wage and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her, very harshly. In the midst of this, we find this woman who's making her way to Jesus. And as she's making her way to Jesus, I see nowhere in the text where she's been invited to this celebration party. She looks like the original party crasher. That we find no place where she gets an RSVP where she's invited to come in to, to fellowship and to set up, but rather she breaks the protocol and enters into the place because she wants to get to the presence of Jesus. There's something when we break down the protocol of our comfortability to press our ways to the presence of Jesus. She moves from the place of what is normative in that particular society concerning women, and she moves past all of the stares and the gazes of those who are around her, and she takes her place at the feet of Jesus. It's Shirley Chisholm who says it this way. Uh, if you aren't given and don't have a seat at the table, sometimes you have to bring your own chair. And here we find this woman is not invited, is not given a seat, but she makes up in her mind, I'm going to bring my own chair and sit right here at the feet of Jesus. And when she shows up, the people around her get angry. They get angry because maybe she's exposing their inability to recognize who Jesus really is. When she shows up, she brings something with her. She brings something of value and she breaks it at his feet. Contrast that against those who are around her. They have nothing. And in another passage of scripture, we, we find that uh, when Jesus is rebuking them, he says, listen, uh, I've come in and you didn't wash my feet. You didn't take off my sandals. You didn't give me any uh, uh, affection. She, this woman has continued to do this to me over and over again. They brought nothing, but she brought the most valuable thing that she had and she laid it at the feet of Jesus. They, they ridiculed her and they talked about her and they were saying about her past and what she had gone through and what she had experienced, but she still focused on getting to the feet of Jesus. 
And I'd like to suggest today that in these moments when sometimes people around you or even your own imagination will try to bring up your past and bring up your falling and bring up your faults and bring up your issues and challenges, do not allow those things to hold you from the thing that God has for you, to you to press past all of those negative words and all those words that seek to tear you down and press your way to the feet of Jesus. She presses her way there. She presses her way there because she wasn't there to fit in. She was there to break the mold. And I believe here at Salem, there's some folks who are not here just because you want to fit in, but there are some folks here because you're here because you want to break the mold. And God wants to do something in you that eyes have not seen and ears have not heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man what God has in store for those who love him. They, they, they looked at this woman and they saw her status within that society. They saw her past and they saw her issues and they saw her pain and they put her in as a stereotype. But they didn't realize she wasn't a stereotype. She was a prototype of what God was going to do in revival in this place. I'm here to encourage somebody, even in this place, you are not a stereotype. You are not what they have tried to confine and define you as, but rather you are who God says you are. Be careful of people who try to label you, because if they try to label you, they will try to limit you. If they try to define you, they will try to confine you. But you are who God says that you are. I'm not a stereotype, I'm a prototype. Watch this, not only when it is broken does it expose the agitators, but when it is broken, it signals the Savior. When they're coming at this woman and talking about her and trying to knock her off who she is, when they come after her, Jesus stands up for her. The Bible says that when they're talking about her and they rebuke her harshly, uh, Jesus says in verse number six, leave her alone. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you always have with you. You can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare me for my burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. They came in with accusation. They came in with rejection. They came in with disappointment. And they came in with her past. But Jesus stands up for her and says, leave her alone. Aren't you glad you serve a God who stands up for you? That you are not abandoned, that you are not forsaken, that you are not forgotten. But God is present with you and he stands up for you. He stands up for this. Sister and says, leave her alone. Despite the adversity that's before her, it creates an opportunity for her to get to the presence of Jesus. When they come into her with uh, intimidation, Jesus counters the intimidation with affirmation concerning who she is. He says, listen, whenever the gospel and wherever the gospel is preached, wherever it's preached, you will hear of this woman and the work that she has done for the Savior. When, when she breaks the thing that is vulnerable, the place that is precious to her, she opens herself up to have the Savior signaled in her direction. 
I like to suggest that, uh, that we don't get the Savior's attention by telling him how great we are. We don't get the Savior's attention by telling him how perfect we have been. Uh, we don't tell the, get the Savior's attention by looking at how many things we've accomplished. We get the Savior's attention when we come with vulnerability and brokenness before him. And here we find this woman signals the Savior because she's broken. But when she's broken, she's open to have and hear what God has for her. Let me put it this way. Uh, I told you I have uh, three kids. I have eight-year-old boy, CJ, six-year-old daughter, Malia. And they have this continual sibling rivalry back and forth and forth and back. Uh, they have a love-hate relationship, we like to say, in our house. And in the midst of this relationship, uh, we uh, always give affirmation to our children concerning who they are, that they are children of God, that they uh, are sons and daughters of the Most High King, and they have uh, who, who they are. And so we tell my, my daughter, particularly, that she's the princess. And guess what? She really believes that she's the princess. She, she believes it so much that someone gave her a little tiara to wear on her head, a little crown to wear on her head, and she wears it around like she really is. A princess. She wears this crown everywhere. She even wears it to school. We got a note back from the teacher saying, listen, you can't let this little girl <laughs> wear, wear her crown to school. And so what she does is she says, okay, that, that's fine. Uh, she'll put the crown on to go to school. She'll put it in her backpack when she's at school. And then when she gets off of school, she'll take it out the backpack and put it back on her head. <laughs> So one day I'm driving them home from school and she's wearing her crown and they're in the back seat, my son and my daughter. Uh, and just as uh, an older sibling could do, he starts messing with her and her crown. And he ends up taking that crown off of her head and keeping it for himself. And then what does he do? He doesn't just take it off her head. He looks back at her and starts to taunt her. Malia, I got your crown. You can't get it, nan, and boo boo. And she starts to get frustrated because she's trying with all of her power and all of her might to get it back. But he's bigger, he's stronger, and he's able to hold it from her. And so she's getting upset and she's getting frustrated. She doesn't know what to do. And I'm watching this all from the rearview mirror. And at the point where she's about to give up and just about to just have a tantrum tantrum all into herself, she remembers something. She remembers she's not in the car all by herself. And as only a daughter can do, she opens up her mouth with all the force and velocity of a six-year-old and cries out, Daddy! <laughs> CJ took my crown. Now listen, when I hear my baby girl cry, Listen, 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 listen. Uh, there, there, there's a problem. I, I, I pulled the car over because I heard my daughter cry. I pulled the car over. I looked back in the back seat. I said, CJ, give her back her crown. He tries to throw it on the ground. I said, don't throw it on the ground. Put it back on her head. I said, she cried for me. And guess what? Everything you took from her, you've got to give it back. Can I suggest to you on today that everything the enemy has tried to steal and take from you concerning who you are as a child of God, he's got to give it back because you're able to cry out and call on your father 
Is there anybody in the sanctuary on today that knows how to call on the name of Jesus? That when you call on his name in the midst of vulnerability, in the midst of brokenness, it gets the Savior's attention to turn in your direction. Not only, not only when it breaks, when it breaks does it uh, cause and expose the agitators. Not only does it signal the Savior, but, but, but lastly, when, when you break it, whatever it is in your life, when you break it, it alters the atmosphere. Because when she broke this box of alabaster, when the oil spilled out, the aroma and the perfumes filled the air. The sweet aroma of the oil filled the air. And it couldn't dissipate, it couldn't go away because it had already been broken and exposed in the entire room. The room changed. The situation shifted because the oil was exposed and poured out. I like to suggest that there's a difference from us, from something being opened and something being broken. When we're open, we still have the opportunity to put a lid back on it. But when it's broken, it can't go back in. And I believe God in this moment is not just calling us to be open, but rather to be broken before him. And when we are broken before, and we can't go back to the way that it used to be and the way that it was, but rather we've exposed what God's presence has done. When God's spirit starts to break out in and through our lives, we can't contain it back. We've got to allow it to continue to flow in and through our lives. And when it flows, it doesn't just change us, it changes everything that's connected to us. And every place that we are go is influenced and impacted because God's presence has spilled out through us. Let me, let me put it this way. You can tell this story because y'all are my friends now, right? We're, 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 we're friends. Uh, so don't judge me. Um, uh, confession's good for the soul, bad for the reputation. Uh, but uh, so uh, I was traveling in Brooklyn, I was coming from a ministry assignment, uh, and I was uh, speaking somewhere, and I didn't have my car with me, uh, so I got in one of those uh, ride-share uh, cars, Uber, Lyft, and, and as I, I jumped into the car to head to church, uh, as soon as I entered into the car, as soon as I entered into the car, I knew something was different, uh, because there was an aroma and an odor in the car that I recognized. I know I'm in Oregon, so y'all can follow with me. It was an herb-like aroma. Uh, it had a hempness to it. Uh, there, there was a whifting of, you, 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 you're, 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 you're tracking with me. Uh, and so uh, this, this aroma is all throughout the car, and I'm not really thinking that much about it. Uh, so I get out the car, I'm heading to church, I, I get out the car, I, I go into church, and uh, as I go into church, it's the children's choir's practicing, it's a Saturday, the children's choir's practicing, uh, and uh, as the children's choir's practicing, uh, the children's choir director comes in, she hasn't seen me for a couple uh, of weeks, and she sees me, she says, Pastor, it's good to see us, it's good to see you. She gives me a big old hug. And she, she gives me a hug and she all of a sudden jumps back and says, Pastor, you've been smoking. 
said, no, 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 it was in the car. It was, it, it was a transfer from the car. She was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> now that's one type of smell that transfers. But can we switch that and say, what happens when the oil of God's presence breaks out in our lives? It just doesn't affect us where we are, but every place that we enter into now gets exposed to God's presence and the oil of his glory flows in and through our lives and it's poured out in our homes, it's poured out in our communities, it's poured out in our schools, it's poured out on our jobs. What happens when we break the boxes of our own imaginations and allow God's spirit to pour out, it alters the atmosphere and the oil begins to flow. God's presence is there because a woman was willing to break this alabaster box, break it and pour it before Jesus' feet. Well, well, the narrative doesn't end there because the passage doesn't end there. But just after Jesus uh, tells them to leave her alone and talks about how what she has done will remain and be recorded through all out history, he does this, I suggest, because he says, it says it this way, he says, uh, she was preparing me for my burial. And in the midst of this, in the midst of what's taking place here, we find right in the next passage underneath, verse number 10, and then goes on to say, then Judas Iscariot, one of the 12, went to the chief priest to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted to hear this and promised to give him money. So he watched for an opportunity to hand Jesus over. Watch this. This woman willing to come before Jesus, breaking this alabaster box and allowing the oil to spill out. But when this spills out, it then pushes Judas, what I would suggest maybe in the midst of his own desires and in the midst of jealousy and all the feelings that he's feeling, it pushes him to try to break Jesus. In the midst of him trying to break Jesus, this isn't the only time we see something breaking taking place. Because later on in that same passage in the book of Mark, it says Jesus gathers his disciples around him there. And as he's gathering them around, he takes the bread and breaks the bread and says, this is my body, which is broken for you. This woman breaks this box of oil. Judas tries to break Jesus and Jesus breaks the bread. If I could preach it like I was back in Brooklyn, I would suggest uh, this isn't the only thing that starts breaking. Because we find that as this woman breaks uh, this box of alabaster, Judas tries to break Jesus, and Jesus breaks uh, the bread. Uh, there's a time when Jesus goes to a cross uh, on a hill called Calvary. He, he's hung there for our sins and your sins and for my sins. And when he's hanging there, guess what? There's an earthquake and the earth breaks. Not only does the earth break, but my Bible lets me know uh, that the temple veil also breaks. We find that that's not the only time when stuff starts to break. A woman breaks a box of oil. Judas tries to break Jesus. Jesus breaks the bread. The earth breaks. Uh, the temple veil breaks. Uh, and Jesus hungs on, hangs on a cross and dies for your sins uh, and my sins. Uh, but that's not how the story ends. 
Because my Bible lets me know on the third day, Jesus broke the power of death, hell, and the grave when he resurrected with all power in his name. If you let me feel like I'm back home, I would still say that's not the last time something broke. Because when the woman broke the oil, Judas tried to break Jesus. Jesus broke the bread. The earth broke. The temple veil broke. Jesus broke the power of death, hell, and the grave when he resurrected. But my Bible also lets me know at the ascension, Jesus broke the sky and returned back to the Father. Ah, you're making me feel like I'm at home. But guess what? That's not the last time something broke. Ah, because the woman broke the box and Judas tried to break Jesus and the earth broke with an earthquake and the temple veil broke and Jesus broke the power of death, hell, and the grave and then he ascended and broke the sky. Then we find out there 50 days later at the day of Pentecost, God's spirit through the Holy Spirit broke out in the church and the church was birthed even today. But you know, that's not the last thing that that's not the last thing that broke up because the woman broke the box and Judas tried to break Jesus. Jesus broke the bread. The earth broke themselves. We find the temple veil broke. Jesus broke the power of death, hell, and the grave. We find he broke the sigh at the ascension. The spirit broke out there at Pentecost. But then guess what? That same spirit is able to break out right here on today, even in and through our lives. Is there anybody in here on today that says it had to break up, that God needs to break some things so he can break through in our lives? He wants to break it. He wants to break it. He wants to break it so he can break through, so his spirit can enter in. That same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, the same spirit that was there in the upper room is the same spirit that is here even now. Oh God, the Spirit of God is here. When God's Spirit shows up, things can't stay the same. When God's Spirit shows up, it can't be business as usual. When it shows up, what is broken gets fixed. What is empty gets filled. What is heavy gets lifted. What is down gets restored. What is lost gets saved. What is dark gets lit. What is weak gets strengthened. What is sick gets healed. What is old gets renewed. What is heard gets heard. And what is bound gets broken. It has to break. Has to break. I believe even in this moment, God is calling us to identify what that it that needs to break is. What is that area? What is that place? What is that possession? What is that personality? What is that area of stronghold that we need to be willing to say, God, would you break it in my life? Would you break it? so that your spirit can bring forth breakthrough in and through me. Guess what? 
the same spirits right here now. He wants to break out in and through your life so that healings can show up. (laughs) Deliverance is in this house. Hope can be restored and his kingdom can come on earth as it is in heaven. It has to break. Thank you for joining us on the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. We are a community of believers located in downtown Salem, Oregon, and we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. If you have a request that we could pray for, please email us at prayers at salemalliance.org. If you'd like more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org.